um, well, welcome to Madison Church. And I am very glad that you are here today for a couple of reasons. First, I know that there are a lot of people gone because it is Thanksgiving weekend. You get a, a lot of extra days throughout the entire week, and, and you get to expect that year after year after year. And so I'm happy for those of you who are watching online who aren't here right now because you got to visit family and friends that you don't get to see very often. Um, but I'm happy that you are here, that you're watching, because we're starting a Christmas series, uh, and, and I love Christmas. I mean, I love Christmas. I love peppermint mochas at Starbucks. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about here? Oh, they're so good, especially in the red cups. The red cups does make it taste better. I can't explain it. I managed a Starbucks for years. They look like the same cups, but they really do taste better. Um, I love Christmas music at the store. Little sync action for you, you know, throwback. Um, I love listening to Christmas music. I love Christmas movies. This one is my boy's favorite movie of all time. It is called Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. It's the sequel to Once Upon a Christmas. And my boys love watching this show, this movie, in June and July and August. Uh, but I especially like it in December when it makes sense to watch and, and I'm not walking around my house you know, in the middle of summer singing Donald Duck's version of We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And so um, I just love everything about Christmas. Now, I want to ask you, and I know we got a few extroverts in the room because you already told me you've been doing good. Um, what do you love most about Christmas? Go ahead and yell it out. Family time. I like that. Introverts are nodding. They're like, yes, we love family time. That's a good one. Missing anything? Christmas cookies. Phoebe is literally carrying the team right now, guys. You guys are like, what? What is? Okay, do we need to talk about what Christmas is? Like, do you guys remember that? Once a year, you put a big tree in your house. That's the only time that it's acceptable to cut a tree out down outside, bring it in, throw some lights on. You buy presents. Is this ringing bells? Yeah. Okay, Christmas. Okay. Well, okay. Um, I want you to think about, now that maybe you're, you're remembering, think about your best Christmas ever. When was your best Christmas ever? I know that the holidays aren't always a happy time for people, that the holidays can bring mixed emotions, some good, some bad, some happy, some sad, but I just want you to think about the good one. Think about the one that just sticks out in your mind. When you think of Christmas and, and, and you kind of go back somewhere, where are you at? I mean, where are you at and, and who are you with? Think about the places and the faces. Uh, what are you eating? What are you drinking? How old were you? Were you a little kid, teenager? Were you uh, a new parent? I mean, when was this best Christmas that you ever had? What made it the best? Was it something that you got or something else? Now, I get to share with you because I'm the one with the microphone what my favorite Christmas was. But my favorite Christmas was actually on a Christmas Eve, and it was before my sister was born. So we'll say I was five years old. And uh, before my sister was born on Christmas Eve, we always celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve because on Christmas we'd be traveling or going to church or something. And we didn't go to church a whole lot when I was little, but we went on that particular Christmas Eve, I remember, because I could not wait to get home. I could not wait for church to get over so I could get home and celebrate the real reason for the season, my Christmas presents. I know, I was, I'm, I'm probably like every five-year-old you knew, okay? I need to repent. But that year we got the best presents, my brother and I. We got the Ninja Turtle playset from 1989. Oh man, 
This was the toy, guys. Um, if you were to look this up on eBay right now, if you have this uh, toy and it's still in its box, you can get anywhere from three dollars to $4,000 for it. Now, mine is not worth that much because it is not in the box and it is very played with. I mean, a lot. This was the toy. And I remember because this was back in the day um, before they put the stickers on the toys. I really don't know how much money toy companies were saving, but you would get this toy and then you'd have to put all the stickers on it. It would just be like gray and orange. And you'd put, the, and I remember being very critical of my mom. She had to put them on perfectly because they didn't send you extra stickers. So if mom put one in the wrong place or it was a little crooked, it would just drive me nuts. I know it's a, it's a wonderful trait that I have that my wife loves to me just watching and being very critical. Um, I also, that same year, we got the Megazord from Power Rangers. These five robot alien things came together for the Megazord. Uh, never once in all of my watching Power Rangers did I ever see these things by themselves doing things. Like they, oh, they, they were five separate, but the only time they ever came out was when they came together. So I was like, I don't, why is it not just one piece? But we got these and it was awesome. This toy, if you have the original 1993 model, not the remakes of recent years, if you have the original 1993 model, also worth a couple thousand dollars. This was the best Christmas ever. I can remember it so vividly. My brother, when I asked him what he remembered, he remembered other toys. And so he even had a good time. He remembered it. Um, these toys provided us countless fun over the years. And uh, fast forward a couple decades, I'm a lot older now, a little bit heavier, got less hair. Um, I also have a couple more kids. And uh, on December 30th of 2015, my first son, Oliver, was born. And he was actually 10 days late. He was supposed to come before Christmas. He was very patient. He actually waited until after Christmas. It was very nice of him uh, to do that. Now, some of you are thinking, don't you have more than one son? And you're right, I do. My other son is a little less patient. He came on Christmas Eve in 2017. He wasn't supposed to be born until the week after Christmas. And so Elijah said, nope, I'm ready to go. And at three in the morning on Christmas Eve, uh, he came and about five hours later, I was here uh, speaking a message because who are you going to call at three in the morning to continue a teaching series? No one. You're the man. And so Christmas is so much better because I get to celebrate my favorite people. I get to celebrate Christmas and all the things I love, but also my two children. It is an awesome awesome season for me. But as much as I love Christmas, I know that uh, I don't have the same sense of wonder that I used to. I mean, there was a sense of wonder when you're a little kid. You're giddy and really excited and you can't wait for Christmas and weeks and days and the night before you really just can't sleep. You're just so excited. And I know because my son's been talking about Christmas for two months. I don't even, the only reason I know that they know what it is is because they're watching Mickey twice upon a Christmas in June, right? And so they're like, we can't wait for Christmas. And they also know that around Christmas is their birthday. And so to them, they're so excited. But you lose the wonder as you get older. And part of it might just be disappointment. Uh, I remember one year uh, I wanted an Xbox. My brother wanted a GameCube. Santa brought a GameCube. I was really disappointed that year. Uh, but maybe more seriously, you've had a lot of disappointments around the holidays. Just year after year, people constantly letting you down or conflicts or reminders that uh, the, the holidays just aren't as happy as you want them to be or as, as they are for other people. And so we can kind of move away from that wonder the older we get, the more cynical we get. Maybe because it's already a busy time of year for everybody. There's extra shopping. There's extra cooking. There's extra things to go to. 
I've got two extra birthday parties to plan and pay for. So for me, it's already a really busy time of year. And perhaps you are so busy that you don't really ever get to slow down and enjoy the Christmas season anymore because you're just constantly go, go, going. And then pretty soon you're like, wow, where did December go? Where did Christmas go? This year was so quick. I can't believe it's January. And so maybe part of why we lose the wonder is because we're just too busy. But maybe it's for one of those reasons. Maybe it's a different reason. But whatever it is, I I think that we would all agree that we lose a little bit of the wonder with Christmas as we get older. Um, G.K. Chesterton once wrote, The world will never lack for wonders, only for a lack of wonder. And it's the play on words that made Chesterton famous. He says, hey, the world has lots of things that will cause wonder, um, but we will continuously lack wonder. I mean, we could end on this right here. We won't. I'm just getting started. But um, pretty much everything about the Christmas story that we're going to be talking about the next four weeks has to do with wonder. I mean, after all, we are celebrating the moment in which God breaks into our time and space and is just like you and me for a mission to reconcile the relationship that we have with him so that we could experience grace and love and forgiveness. So no matter what your Christmas season or memories are like growing up, you know that you have a good father who sees you and wants you to experience those good things. And um, how God came into this earth is kind of actually unpredictable and unassuming. He he came as a baby and he wasn't born into royalty. Uh, He came as a baby actually in extreme poverty because his parents at the time were homeless and they were immigrant, kind of refugee situation going on where they were fleeing from one country to go to another because of the climate of that country, not like the weather climate, but the political atmosphere in which they were killing people. And so they had to go home and then they were fleeing from one place and going to the other. And so Jesus comes as a baby to a homeless family in extreme poverty, running from a government. And so for a lot of people, that just already kind of blows your mind because when you think God, we tend to think of royalty and riches and having everything and, and God already flips that on its head. And so that in and of itself should cause us to wonder not wonder, but to wonder. Um, and, a, and 700 years before this birth of Jesus, the, the Jewish people are anticipating their Messiah. Uh, Isaiah writes in chapter 9, verse 6, he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It is in this passage that Isaiah says these are the four things that Jesus is going to be like. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. He is going to be a mighty God. He's going to be an everlasting father. He's going to be the prince of peace. And my hope in doing this study for the next few weeks is that we as a church, whether you're with us in person or you're watching online or or later tonight when we have our downtown service, that we as a church, no matter where we are meeting, that we can kind of capture some of that childlike faith and wonder again this Christmas season. And today we're going to talk about Wonderful Counselor. Now, if you've been to church before or several times, I I guarantee that around Christmas you've probably already heard a message on Wonderful Counselor. That's pretty common. You might have heard an entire teaching series. Actually, there is a church just three miles south of here. I talk with the pastor very frequently. Uh, They're doing the same series as us. They called it something different because they're doing it differently, but today he is talking about Wonderful Counselor too. And so 
I want to kind of take a different angle, though. Knowing that a lot of you have probably heard a message on Wonderful Counselor, and we talk about how awesome God is, and we can just, he's just a prayer away, and we can pray, and he's very knowledgeable, and he can help us with our relationships, and he is the great counselor. But today I want to focus on the wonderful part, because I think that that is a part that we kind of overlook. And I understand why, because in our language, English, wonderful here is used as an adjective. What kind of counselor is Jesus? He is a wonderful counselor. But actually in Hebrew, the Greek word is pele, and pele actually means wonder. It is a noun. They're describing Jesus. He isn't just a wonderful counselor, but Jesus is a wonder. He is amazing. He is astounding. And so that is a word that doesn't quite translate very well into English, but if we could capture that wonder of Jesus, it might help us capture the wonder of this season again. What is wonder? Well, Dr. Neil Burton in Psychology Today has this great definition of wonder I want to read to you. He says, wonder is a complex emotion involving elements of surprise, curiosity, contemplation, and joy. And we can just leave this up for a moment until we get to my next slide, um, because this should sink in. When we're talking about wonder, I love this. It's not just surprise. It's, oh man, I'm, I'm surprised, because surprise can kind of go away. I mean, at some point, your birthday comes the same time every year. You're not so surprised about it, right? Uh, curiosity. If you're curious about something, you look it up on Wikipedia or Google, you find the answer, you're not curious anymore. So wonder can't just be defined to surprise and curiosity. Wonder is surprise and curiosity that causes us to contemplate. It's something that just blows our mind. We have to think about it, and it gives us joy. I think about it a little bit like this. It's not the same thing as thinking about Jesus, but um, here's a picture of Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, this is in Denver, Colorado, and I'm sure you've seen pictures like this before. I mean, has anyone never seen a picture of a mountain? Okay, nobody's raising their hands. Everyone, you've all seen a picture of a mountain. I am an Apple guy. I've always had iPhones or iPads or MacBooks, and usually there's a picture of a mountain as the backdrop for my computer because it comes with 40 different versions of a different mountain. And so I have seen lots and lots of pictures of mountains. Now, this last summer, my family and I took a trip to Denver, Colorado, to Rocky Mountains. And can you just imagine, if you will, if we just ended up staying in the, the Airbnb the whole time? No, we don't need to drive out into the mountains. I know what they look like. I've got a picture of it on my phone. You want to Google it? I can show you lots of images of the Rocky Mountains. Can you imagine if we just stayed in the hotel because I said, I already know. I'm not surprised. I'm not curious. You guys would have said, I am crazy. No, what did we do? We drove up 14,000 feet to the peak of Rocky Mountain National Park. And it was, you can see um, Oliver is very cold in this picture. Why? Because when we left Denver, it was 90 degrees. And when we got to the top, it was under 40. I mean, and it's harder to breathe. You get lightheaded. You get a little nauseous. But it is so different than just seeing a picture of the mountains. It's so different than seeing a picture that somebody took from the bottom to stand at the top and to look with your own eyes and to take it all in, even with screaming kids in the background because they are cold and want to get back in the car and go back down the mountain. 
That is what it is. Wonder goes further and faster the more we seek to know and understand. A true wonder is deep and wide, and it requires us to have an attitude of humility to say that I don't know everything, I can't understand everything, and I'm just going to take this in. Researchers call this the overview effect. It's the feeling we get when we look at something, even if it's something familiar in its entirety, when we see all of it, not just a picture of the Rocky Mountains, but when everywhere we look is the Rocky Mountains. Or perhaps it's not just a picture of the ocean, it's the first time you saw the ocean, you flew over it, or you swam in it. It's the first time you saw Niagara Falls or Manhattan in New York. It's the first time you see those, and you see it in its entirety, and it is overwhelming. We feel amazing, and we stand in awe. And those things are so much lesser than the wonder we should feel when we look at God and Jesus and how he comes in to our world. 2,000 years ago, wonder was personified. If you want to know what wonder would look like if it was a person, we don't need to look further than Jesus because he was wonder. Everything about Jesus led people to curiosity and to excitement and joy and to surprise. And he made people think. Whenever we read any of the four Gospels, we see several examples of this. First, we see it in the words that he uses. Jesus' words are wonderful. They're full of wonder. The things that Jesus said made people wonder. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, Jesus has one of his talks. It's actually the longest sermon he ever gives called the Beatitudes, and it is brilliant. It is really probably the greatest sermon ever given. I mean, he talks about all sorts of things. Relationships, marriage, stress, worry, divorce, fidelity. He talks about all of it. And then what he does is he takes conventional thinking of his time, cultural thinking that's still prevalent in our era, and he flips it on its head. He says, no, 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 no. Don't take revenge on your enemies. Actually love your enemies and pray for them. Don't just try to get rich. Give to the needy. He says, pray. Be wise. And then at the end of this teaching, Matthew says the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Jesus, his words left people amazed. They leave us amazed. We talk about Jesus every single week here. We do it in different series, and we take on different angles of it, but every single week we talk about Jesus here, and it causes us to wonder, what is God saying to me, and and how is this going to affect my life when I leave here, and and what am I going to do about it? His teachings, Jesus' teachings have endured thousands of years of scrutiny. Think about all the different people who have gotten to look at Jesus' words and scrutinize it, but they've survived thousands of years of scrutiny. Can you think of one other teacher and someone else's words who have been translated into 1,400 different languages as of 2019. And we think about the words that Jesus used. I mean, they cross every cultural and ethnic barrier known to man. The things Jesus said were radically progressive for his time. They're radically progressive 2,000 years later. The words that he used were full of wonder, but it wasn't just the things that he said. Jesus wasn't just a brilliant philosopher, a brilliant teacher. It was the things that he did. His actions are full of wonder. Matthew describes one of the times that Jesus is coming back from the Sea of Galilee. He climbs a hill. He wants a rest. People find out that Jesus is there. They're bringing him all these sick people, people who can't speak, people who are crippled, blind, and uh, 
people brought them to Jesus, and it says that Jesus healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking, and the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. The crowd was amazed. Not only could Jesus teach in a profound way, but people who couldn't walk were walking. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine going to a hill, especially 2,000 years ago where they don't have like modern blue jeans and sneakers, and going 2,000 years ago to a hill, somebody not being able to walk is touched by Jesus and gets up and walk. I don't know about you, but can you imagine a man or a woman who can't see and their eyes opening for the very first time on that hill and seeing Jesus and all of creation, taking in grass and mountains and water and all of these things for the very first time, seeing the faces of those who led them there for the first time, it would cause us to wonder. And so if there's a challenge today, and there's a couple of them, but if there's a challenge today, it is that when we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it doesn't matter, when we read them, can we slow down how we're reading and, and find the wonder things that Jesus is saying? Can we find the wonder in the things that he is doing? What are the things that make us curious? What are the things that surprise us? What are the things that make us think? And what are the things that bring us joy? That is wonder. And it's not just the things he said, and it's not just the things that he did. It is his birth. And this is something I say a lot at this church, and I'm going to probably continue to say it because the most unique and amazing and wonderful thing about our faith is just how different it is. God doesn't sit at the top of the mountain and send a prophet and say, this is how you can get to me. This is how you can find me. God himself comes down from the mountain and says, come follow me. And he leads the way and he takes us. So his birth is wonderful. The incarnation. Alistair McGrath, a theologian, says, God did not send a subordinate to redeem us. He chose to do it himself. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send an angel. God himself came for us. Now, as I mentioned, I love Christmas for several reasons, but the reason I love it the most is because of just how different our God is. In Luke, we see that the shepherds find Jesus, and then that the shepherds go and tell everybody what had happened and what the angel had said to them, and all who heard the shepherds' stories were astonished. There's that word wonder again and again and again. It's not just the things Jesus said. It's not just the things that Jesus did. His birth caused wonder And though only a few could understand what was actually happening, those who witnessed it knew that it was something breathtaking and remarkable. Jesus really is a wonder, and our faith is a wonder, and Christmas is a wonder, and it wasn't ever meant to be something that was just a wonder 2,000 years ago. It wasn't just a wonder when Jesus was saying those things 2,000 years ago or doing those things 2,000 years ago. Jesus remains a wonder today. I believe that because of Jesus that we can experience that wonder still today, that you could experience that right now and and tomorrow when you wake up and next Friday night when you're going out on your date. I believe that you can experience the wonder of Jesus every moment of every day, that we can be truly captivated by him because he is living in us by the power and through the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that a lot of you weren't here or weren't from Madison, Wisconsin. Some of you came from very far countries to get here. If you're watching online, you might not be um, from Wisconsin at all. But I want you to remember the first time you saw snow. Actually, 
God and I talked, um, I asked him if he could cause it to snow right now. So if you could just look out the window, um, perfect sermon illustration. Think about the very first time you ever saw snow, if you're not from here. And you think about not just flurries. I mean, I'm talking about the first time you saw a Wisconsin snow. I mean, it snowed and snowed and snowed and snowed some more. I mean, we're talking like 20 inches. And think about the first time you threw a snowball or you built a snowman or you went sledding or the first time your kids saw it. I have a dog. The first time she saw snow, she thought it was the greatest thing ever. Think about that wonder that you had. I mean, if you weren't from the United States and and, in this kind of climate, I would guess that you maybe even took a picture the first time you saw snow standing from your living room and you Snapchatted it or put it on Instagram. And in the caption, you wrote something about just how in awe you were. Look, it's snowing. And then you lived here for a couple years or a month or a week. And you're like, hey, this snow is very overrated. Like, and, and you know what? That's fair. It is. It gets everything dirty. It just piles up on the side of the road and it'll be here until next May until it finally all melts. And you know, it's flu season and the days are short and it's dark all the time and January hits and, and everyone's kind of feeling kind of flabby at that point because, you know, we're not going outside. And what happens is in this example that I'm trying to use here is that we go from a place of wonder where it's like, wow, look at the snow. I've never seen that. To a completely different side of the spectrum, which is, I hate this. And we see snow and we're like, oh, yep, summer's over. Great. So is my life for the next six months. And I don't want to assume this about anybody because I don't think that anyone is disgusted with Jesus the way that we are disgusted with snow. But I also would say that we don't sit at the other side of the spectrum either when it comes to Jesus where we don't sit at the window and watch in awe or in wonder of Jesus anymore, that every day that goes by, we read a little bit more about Jesus and we think that, oh, I'm, not, I'm a little less curious. I'm a little less surprised. It's just Jesus doing Jesus things, as I've said. But can we this holiday season, this Christmas season, as we go through the series, can we all commit to praying to find the wonder in Jesus again. Would you pray with me every single day this week when you wake up, before you go to bed, in the middle of the day, Jesus, show me your wonder. It's an easy pray, prayer to pray. But would you open up your heart to that? And you're like, well, wait a second, what do I need to do? Just pray this prayer. There are no three steps this week. There's not three bullet points. There's not a challenge that I want you to do right after church to give or to volunteer or to sign up for this or that. I just want you to commit to pray this week, Jesus, show me your wonder. And I want to challenge you to be open to that because he will answer that prayer. Are you willing to pray that prayer? It can be a little bit of a scary prayer. Can you open up your heart, open up your eyes to the God who is with you right now and the God who still works miracles in our lives? He can still speak to you in profound ways. He can still do profound things in your life, and his birth is still profound to this day. Let's pray for and expect wonder. This Christmas, let's open our eyes to his presence. Let's pray.